This is East Lansing Insider, brought to you by ELI on Impact 89FM. In this show, we break down all of the news and happenings in the East Lansing community. And now, today's East Lansing Insider. Hello, and welcome to East Lansing Insider, a podcast brought to you by East Lansing Info and Impact Radio. My name is Emily Joan Elliott, and I'm the Managing Editor for East Lansing Info, or ELI, and today I have with me publisher and Executive Director Alice Streger, who's going to tell us a little bit about East Lansing's evergreen development problem. Yeah, so Emily, this is a story that everybody who ends up at Eli ends up having to deal with because it's actually a problem much older than Eli. So we thought today we would tell this story. Um, partly this way, Emily can learn the story. Thank she you. Only came into it a year ago. Yeah, and um, you know we've been offering people at the end of our podcast this sort of weirdest thing, and I have to say this story as a whole is a weirdest thing. So we're calling this East Lansing's Evergreen Development Problem. It has to do with some publicly owned properties on Evergreen Avenue. But this is a story that's going to involve a whole bunch of downtown East Lansing real estate with which people here would be familiar. So it's going to include, in part of the story, the corner of Abbott Road and Grand River that is Caddy Corner to the MSU Union. That's where the big apartment building called the Abbott that has Walgreens and Dunkin' Donuts in it was built in 2020 after a really long period of blight. And it's that project, not in and of itself, but the original version of that project that got the um, East Lansing to purchase these properties on Evergreen Avenue that they're still struggling with. The story is also going to include the place where MSU FCU is now building a new downtown office building that's going to be seven stories high. It's just right next to Dublin Square. But we're mostly going to be focused on this area of Evergreen Avenue, which is the street that runs kind of parallel to Abbott Road, and it runs north from People's Church. So if you were in the back of People's Church and you were to walk north, it's a street that now has become a greenway, but for most of its life has been an active street. And it's the properties on the east side. So if you're walking north, it would be the properties on the right side. And as you may know, if you've been downtown, it recent, a bunch of them recently got knocked down by the DBA. And we'll talk about why they decided to do that, even though those properties were income producing. So I think this is an important story for several reasons. As somebody who's been tracking it for over a decade and at Eli for the seven years we've been in existence. First of all, it shows what can happen when a city like East Lansing tries to get into the real estate business. So this is an example of East Lansing trying to engage in a public-private real estate redevelopment project and ending up with huge amounts of debt and blight, frankly, as a result. It also shows how a downtown development authority like ours, what can happen financially to the municipality of that DDA in terms of acquiring debt. And in this case, it's debt that ultimately the homeowners in East Lansing may end up footing. And I say that because homeowners in East Lansing pay the bulk of property taxes into the system. And deals like this one, where they don't go according to plan, end up basically sucking up services and not producing um, taxes, and we end up footing the bill as homeowners. And then this story, I think, also shows how debt acquisition, which is done in the name of urban renewal and in the name of economic development, can actually end up doing the opposite by accident, prolonging blight and stalling economic redevelopment. Can I jump in with a question, Alice, for our listeners? So having known some of the background of the story, the Downtown Development Authority or DDA is a main player, but what is their role in the municipal government? That's a great question, Emily. So 
The DDA is established essentially under state law. So the city council established East Lansing's DDA under state law. And the Downtown Development Authority and the Brownfield Redevelopment Authority, which in East Lansing has the same membership, these groups can basically make a whole bunch of decisions about real estate and about ways to divert taxes to sponsor, essentially help out with big redevelopment projects. So one of the things that a DDA can do and that our DDA can do is take on projects and take on debt that ultimately the city is responsible for. So that means the DDA, which is not an elected body, it's an appointed body by by city council, can end up taking on a whole bunch of projects and diverting taxes in ways that has only sort of secondary oversight by the people we actually elect to the government. And it's actually this project, along with a couple of others that have caused some people to start questioning whether or not we should actually get rid of the DDA in East Lansing because of the feeling that it ends up creating more mischief than good in some people's opinion. So we'll be talking more about that. So basically, it's an it's a appointed body. It includes the mayor of East Lansing, whoever that is at the time. That's now Jesse Gregg, the city manager, and then a bunch of people appointed from the community. And that's that membership has changed over time. Does that answer the question, Emily? Yeah, I just wanted everyone to know kind of what their role is in this story. Thank you. Yeah. So let's talk about what happened. So in 2009, the city council and the DDA wanted to do a deal with a local development company, um, one which I'll disclose (laughs) happens to be suing us now for um, reporting on that developer's uh, criminal indictment for um, mortgage fraud and bank fraud. But we're not going to get deep into that. The city decided with developer Scott Chappelle to do a project. And by 2009, the DDA had decided to purchase a series of old properties, one of which was a relatively newer property on Evergreen Avenue. And this included four real estate parcels that confusingly had five structures on them. The first one was 314 Evergreen Avenue. And that's a building just that was just knocked down. It was a brick three-story apartment building with an office space down on the bottom behind Dublin Square. And that property was actually worth a lot of money, and it was producing a lot of income until it was um, vacated and knocked down recently. It also included 328 Evergreen Avenue, which was an older White House that was being rented to students by the DDA, and they just demolished that. 334 Evergreen Avenue, also an older house, also had been rented to students. That one had fallen into disrepair, so it was not actively being rented, but they've demolished that as well. And now there's just two little tiny houses left that are also being rented to students, 340 and 344 Evergreen Avenue. So when these properties were purchased in 2009, it was for a project called the City Center 2 Project, which Scott Chappelle and his partners were developing. And at the time, the DDA took on a big debt to purchase those properties, about $5.4 million dollars. By a lot of people's point of view, they paid about twice what the properties were worth. And the reason that happened is because they wanted very much for this project to go forward. Well, that project fell apart. And as a consequence, the DDA was stuck with these properties, but also stuck with the debt and didn't have a way to get rid of the debt and get rid of the properties. So then there were repeated attempts to bring that project to fruition with Scott Chappelle's companies, and all of that came to nothing. Finally, in 2015, Chappelle was foreclosed upon with regard to the properties that he and his companies owned. That wasn't the Evergreen properties, because the Evergreen properties, remember, belongs to the DDA, so they're essentially publicly owned. But Chappelle's companies owned the properties at the big corner. That was what we used to call the Big Bank Building. 
that was this blighted building and a bunch of small commercial properties next to People's Church. And then also he owned apartment complex called Evergreen Arms on the opposite side from the DDA's properties on Evergreen Avenue. Those properties were all lost to foreclosure and they ended up being sold. And when they were sold, a new company out of Chicago purchased them. And that company was called DRW and Convexity. So DRW and Convexity, totally different developers came in and they started talking to the city about wanting to redevelop the properties that they had purchased, which was their privately owned properties. So now the city was like, oh, please roll the evergreen properties into your project because we've got this debt and we bought these properties for this thing and we need to get rid of these properties and get rid of the debt. So the city and the DDA were trying to convince DRW and Convexity that to do a project, they had to roll in these public properties. Okay, now we have to pause and explain what TIFF is. <laughs> sure. Can I just interject and make sure yeah. that I'm understanding everything correctly? So you had one developer who owns properties and the DDA purchased the Evergreen properties, hoping to sell them to the developer who was going to do one big project in that area. There were different concepts of who would okay. ultimately own that, but basically it would become one giant redevelopment area. And essentially, it, it, it depended on the different versions of it, but most people thought ultimately there would be a parking garage where the Evergreen properties were. And essentially, real new real estate taxes coming off the project would help pay for that parking garage, which is very similar, as you know, to what happened downtown with the Center City District project with Newman Lofts and the Landmark and Target, where basically the taxes are being used to buy a new parking garage. That was the chief concept for these years in terms of what was going to happen over there. Sure. So the goal of the DDA then was to purchase what had been private property to allow for redevelopment in that area. Exactly. To, to do this big, huge private public deal where they would come together and have a very complex agreement, just like we saw with Center City, and they would end up um, basically having a way to get rid of the debt. So this is where we come to TIF, which is, stands for Tax Increment Financing. A very simple way to describe TIF is this. You have a piece of property and it's not worth very much. And you say to a developer, if you build a new project and it produces all these new taxes, we'll take those new taxes and we'll put it towards your project. So the idea is it helps redevelopment because you're not going to get more taxes if the thing doesn't redevelop. But if they do redevelop it, then you have new taxes you can capture to help fund a project. So in this case, the concept was that DRW Convexity would do a TIF deal with the city, and basically they would solve the DDA's problem by creating a big new project that would produce enough tax to pay off the debt. And in this concept, again, the evergreen properties were basically going to become a parking garage. So the DRW Convexity team brought forward in a deal, and the city liked the deal at first. But then Chappelle's company came back, well, Chappelle came back and basically killed the deal. He claimed that he actually had the rights to some tax credits that the new developer wanted to use. So that deal fell apart in 2017, problems of a dispute over the tax credits. Then in 2018, a new plan came forward from DRW Convexity, totally leaving out the Evergreen properties. They were like, this is your problem. We're not going to deal with these properties. And that deal ultimately came to fruition, basically. So DRW Convexity ended up building, if you live here, you know this, the Abbott at the corner. They built the Graduate Hotel next door, and they're supposed to build a income-restricted apartment building at the place where the apartments used to be at 341 Evergreen. 
but the DDA's properties are not part of their project. And so those continue to sit there with the debt, with the blight. So now those properties are sitting there and a new development team came forward in 2009. And this is the development team that we called Royal Vlahakis. It was Royal Properties out of um, Illinois, combining with Paul Vlahakis, who owns Dublin Square. And Paul is a local businessman and developer. And Royal Vlahakis came forward with this huge scheme for the Evergreen Properties that would also include Dublin Square and include the parking lot where now MSUFCU is building. And they wanted to put in a 12-plex movie theater, (laughs) and they wanted to put in condos, and they wanted to put in restaurants, and they wanted to put in robotic parking, which we were told people would come from all over the state to see the robots park the cars in this parking garage. Although we all wondered what would happen when a big movie got out and everybody was going to wait for the robots to give their cars back, given that there were only a few bays to give the cars back. This went on and on and on and on. I'm not going to tell you the whole story of Royal Vlahakis, except to say that it became a smaller scheme involving only the Evergreen properties and not um, Vlahakis' own property. And it wasn't going anywhere. By October 2019, the city council was like, just stop. And they voted to just stop with that whole deal. So then the DDA is still stuck with the properties. Now, remember, at this point, it's 10 years since the DDA bought the properties, right? So 10 years in, they decide to send out what's called an RFP, a request for proposals, asking developers, given that we have this debt, which was still like $5.4 million because they'd only been paying interest on it, given that we have this development going on around it, what would you pitch to do here? Now, because of that debt, very few people pitched. It's such a big debt. It's also a weird piece of land, I have to tell you. It's oddly shaped. And it's on a hill. so And it does not have good street access. So it's a not a very attractive piece of land to try to redevelop. It's, it's weird shaped. It's on a hill. It doesn't have good street access. And then on top of that, it's got $5 million in debt. It's not worth anywhere near that. So even if they had not knocked down the buildings, it wasn't worth anything near that. So they send two out. And one proposal comes back from DRW Convexity. And basically, they're proposing to build what frankly amounts to mostly student housing, which does not thrill anybody. But also, the tax assessor changed how he assesses taxes. And once DRW Convexity became clear that that's how the taxes were changing, they said, our project is not financially viable, never mind. So there was only one left develop- one developer left standing. And it's a company called River Caddis. It's run by Kevin McGraw, who ironically used to be partners with Scott Chappelle back in the day. But now Kevin McGraw is on his own. He works with his son, John McGraw, and the company River Caddis. And River Caddis has a really good redevelopment record all around the country. And so River Caddis came forward and proposed a project called The Citadel. (laughs) All capital letters. All capital. It stands for something. But basically what it was was an eight-story office building. So they proposed to do that, which sounded great to everybody because everybody was like, oh, my God, office space downtown. This will mean workers are downtown and they're going to like use restaurants and they're going to come shopping. And it all sounded great. River Caddis was planning to put parking in and pay for the parking because parking is very expensive to build. They were going to solve the debt with this problem. And then the pandemic happened. And everybody came to recognize that office space is not really viable. But even without that, River Caddis was having trouble keeping the anchor tenant. So River Caddis has come back again and again and asked for an extension on the deal that they have with the DDA. And they still have a deal which basically gives them an exclusive. But within that deal, they've basically kind of admitted now that this project, as they proposed it, is not going forward. So the DDA is still facing this debt without any clear proposal here. So what had been happening with these properties, Emily, is that 
the rents coming in had been keeping up with the debt. And that's mm -hmm. because the rents were coming pretty steadily from all these rentals, especially from the big, um, more modern property at 314 Evergreen, the brick building. But also because the DDA was only paying interest, the expenses on the debt were not very high. Well, under state law, the DDA can't pay interest forever. It has to start paying down the principal. And so that time has come. And so the debt payments are now going up and the debt payments have to be bigger and bigger. Well, that would mean hopefully that the income would go up too, but the income isn't going up. And instead, the income has been crashed downward because the MSU FCU came forward and they said when the river, when the Roval Hawkins deal fell apart, we want to build a new office building downtown on lot four, which is the parking lot next to Dublin Square. And everybody was like, oh my God, office space, right? <laughs> and MSU FCU, which is known to be a good partner in the community, known to be reliable and you know, straightforward and gets the job done. So everybody wanted that. But as it turns out, MSU FCU wants to build a lot of building on a very small piece of land. Lot four is a very small piece of land. And they don't have the space for their construction equipment. They had planned to basically swing cranes over um, Paul Vlahakis's deck at Dublin Square. And Paul Vlahakis, understandably, doesn't like this idea. So he put up legal barriers. Now, we also reported that it turns out, because MSUFCU got irritated enough that they spilled the beans, that Vlahakis had approached them and said he wanted a deal or he was going to get in their way. <laughs> so, so what we've joked, as you know, inside Eli is that Paul Vlahakis used to be dating Lot 4 for his project, and now he no longer has Lot 4 and he doesn't want anybody else to have Lot 4. <laughs> <laughs> so MSUFCU is proceeding anyway, but they need space to put their crane and swing their crane over and all that. So they came to the DDA and they convinced the DDA, remarkably, to knock down two of the DDA's income-producing properties, 314 Evergreen, the big building that was producing quite a lot of income, in fact, something like 180000 a year, according, oh, wow. to, yeah, according to the um, the spreadsheets given us. They also knocked down the White House next to that, which had been bringing in something like 37000 a year. And they've knocked this down, and now they're renting out that vacant land to uh, MSU FCU for $5,100 a month. <laughs> <laughs> to use as a construction staging site. Now, MSUFCU did split the cost of demolishing the buildings, but a lot of people asked the question, why the heck is the DDA paying it all to knock down its own property? <laughs> so the DDA has devalued its own properties by millions of dollars because when 314 stood, it had quite a bit of value because it was a, it was a modern income-producing property. It had some things that needed updating, but it was basically a modern income-producing mm -hmm. property. So now those buildings have been knocked down and the DDA is sort of screwed. And so what the DDA is hoping will happen is that MSU FCU will build quickly and the properties will, the MSU FCU property will start producing enough tax to help the DDA make the payments. Now, why would that tax go to the DDA? Because there's this weird thing called TIF number two. And what TIF number two is, is a giant tax increment financing plan that underlies a whole bunch of properties in the downtown that basically says any increase in property value that occurs there goes to the DDA, which I somehow didn't understand until the last few months with this MSUFCU project. So the DDA has been siphoning off money every year from properties downtown and using it for its special projects. The DDA could have been using that money to pay down the debt, 
but they weren't using the money to pay down the debt. But that's their plan in the future is to take the money from TIF2 from the new MSUFCU project, which will produce a lot of taxes, and use that to try to keep up with the debt that's owed on the Evergreen properties. Now, the crazy thing that I discovered that's the weird thing of the week, which I, again, didn't understand even after all of these years of working on this project, is that it turns out the debt on the Evergreen properties is not a mortgage. It's not tied to the land. In other words, this, the DDA could decide to redevelop the properties without having to address the debt directly. They could also sell the properties. They could have sold the properties a long time ago. Now, they would never get the amount of money that they owe on the debt that was taken out to get the properties. But there's been nothing stopping them from simply selling the properties or allowing a development to happen without attempting to solve that debt. Because they keep trying to solve this $5 million debt with some sort of redevelopment on this weirdly shaped, hilly land with very little street access, they can't get anywhere. <laughs> because essentially the properties appear to be what we call underwater, in the, not in the sense of the rain of East Lansing but in the sense that they owe way more than the properties are worth. But as it turns out, what they owe is not tied to the land. The people of East Lansing are responsible for it. The DDA, to their credit, recognizes that they have a fiduciary responsibility to try to solve this financial problem. But for all these years, the evergreen properties could have been redeveloped in some way, or they could have been sold. And that debt could have been dealt with in some other fashion. And now, for a long time, again, the reason they didn't do that is because there was income coming in on those properties that was helping to pay the debt. But now they've destroyed two of those, pro three of those properties. So there's no money coming in on those anymore. And in fact, the value of the land is dramatically reduced because of the fact that they've gotten rid of these properties. Although the land may have not been reduced that much for the old houses because the old houses were facing a lot of repairs that the DDA was not wanting to deal with. What we've got left is two tiny little houses producing very little income for the DDA, a big debt and no project 11 years or 12 years later, 13 years, no, 12 years later. So that's the story of the Evergreen properties. Yeah, this is this is fascinating. And I thought the robotic parking was going to be the weird thing of the week. But that was also super interesting. Um when you shared with me about the TIF 2, I don't know the kind of proper word, but this idea and how the tax money works, you know where the TIF 2 money was going instead of paying off the evergreen debt. Yeah. So I wasn't paying enough attention to the DDA's budget all these years, but basically TIF 2 has been going to do projects in the downtown that the DDA has felt like doing. So it's things like sidewalk improvement, what the city might normally pay for, but the DDA has paid for. Or it's things like the DDA's facade improvement program, where mm -hmm. they let business owners write in and say, I've got a property downtown, a business downtown, and my facade is looking kind of grungy and not very modern. So can you give me some money and we'll fix the facade? So they've been doing that kind of thing. During COVID, they've been using some of the money to direct support businesses. So give businesses right. um, money, basically just grants that don't have to be paid back in order to keep going. So these are all the different kinds of things that the DDA has been using TIF2 for. By the way, I should tell you what TIF1 does, which is also a fascinating story sure. of the way that East Lansing is constantly paying for parking garages. So TIF1 was the TIF developed for 
East Lansing's big original private-public deal, and that's where the Marriott Hotel is downtown. That's a project called University Place. And if you spend time in East Lansing, you know it doesn't just have a Marriott Hotel. It has a public parking garage underneath it. It also has office space in the tower built next to the hotel that is right up against the hotel. And it's got retail space on the bottom. So it's got um, a diner there and a haircutting place and those kinds of things where the Michigan Flyer picks up and drops off. And so that land actually belongs to the city of East Lansing. And the city of East Lansing entered an agreement 40 years ago to lease that public property, which is worth millions of dollars, to the developer of the hotel and the office and retail space for $10 a year. For 40 years, those developers have been paying the city of East Lansing $10 a year for properties that is worth millions and millions of dollars. And as part of that deal, to support that project, they created East Lansing's first TIF, TIF number one. And what TIF number one did was take the taxes off that new redevelopment and not put it into the general fund where it helps support everything like my taxes from my house do, but instead they pumped it into the project to pay for the parking garage underneath the hotel. Well, 30 years later, when the TIF was finally supposed to end and the taxes were finally supposed to start flowing to the general fund, guess what? The parking garage was a disaster and needed to be rebuilt. So the East Lansing City Council, reluctantly but necessarily, voted through a new TIF plan, extending TIF 1, another 30 years to pay for the parking garage again. And so (laughs) all of the taxes from that project are still paying for the parking garage, which basically mostly supports the, the folks who have the property upstairs. So East Lansing has a record breaking 60 year TIF on that property. And they're only, the developers are only paying $10 a year for land that is worth millions of dollars. Now that lease is going to run out and we've been trying to find out from the city what the plan is for that property, because that could end up paying a lot of money into the coffers of the city of East Lansing. Of course, the developers are claiming poverty, that if you charge us too much, this will not be viable and the whole thing will collapse because that's what developers, frankly, always say. And so we'll see what happens with East Lansing's original project. But you can see how we repeat this over and over again with plans that are meant to build parking garages using tax money, And then they end up in some circumstances leading to big projects that essentially never pay in to the tax system. And we have to provide all the services to them. So we have to fix the roads around them and we have to provide all of the police and fire that those things suck up and all the other city services that you provide, but they don't pay into the system. The developers essentially have the money sunk back into the project that benefits the development. That's something. We have two minutes left, Alice. So I was hoping, I know prepping for this podcast, you took a stroll downtown and looked at some of the evergreen properties and the development. Can you tell us where we stand with building that MSU FCU building? Because you had said that some of the evergreen properties owned by the DDA had been demolished over the summer to allow for the construction. So what's going on with that project? Yeah, so the places where they demolished those buildings to create the construction staging zone have now have been leveled out with dirt. You can see that there's construction trailers parked there. And today we can now see um, the trucks are starting to dig up lot four and starting to set up essentially the construction site. So it looks like the MSU FCU project really is going forward. 
Meanwhile, across the street on the Evergreen properties at 341 Evergreen, DRW Convexity is supposed to be building that six-story apartment building. Uh, they have gotten final approval from the city in terms of the site plan. So now they have to put in their building permits. It's a little confusing what's going to happen there because the city turned Evergreen Avenue into a greenway, which means it can't really be used by the developer there as a staging site. So one of the things we're trying to figure out is how that project is going to be staged. But we're going to presumably see development there. And it's not at all clear what's going to happen with the Evergreen properties next. Um, the DDA has a few more months left on their deal with uh, River Caddis to have an exclusive. We'll see where it goes. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing this long and story tale with us. So I appreciate that, Alice. And for our readers, if you're interested in finding out more, you can go to eastlansinginfo.news. That's eastlansinginfo.news and search Evergreen Properties and see all of our previous reporting. Thank you. East Lansing Insider is brought to you by ELI on Impact 89FM. We are on the web at eastlansinginfo.news and impact89fm.org. Thanks for listening.